0: Come and grab a seat, uh, say to your neighbor, stop talking. Uh, you can look at your neighbor and, and like give them the look, like, glad you're in church today. Do, do that. Just turn to your neighbor and don't say anything, just say, like the look of, I'm glad you're in church today. That was good. I, I really liked that. That, was, that worked really well. Um, we are a verbal church, I think, very much so. I'm really glad you're here today, and one of the things we're excited about on this uh, uh, reunion—no, this is not the uh, reunion—opening up of space so we can kind of continue to, as our sign says, we have space for you, and we've created space so that we can continue to um, grow and and have space for our community and for one another. Um, But uh, today we're celebrating, uh, as part of our service, just— what God has been doing through our building with a mission program and project. And uh, we've been a little bit silent on it over this uh, summer, but we want to share again what's going on. And uh, I can think of no one better than kind of the lead of our our BWAM team is Sonia Kennedy, and she's going to come up, and we're both going to share some things. Isn't that good? Yeah. Thank
1: you. I'll come over here. So, thanks, Derwin. Yeah, my name's Sonia. Hi, everybody. Nice to see you. Um, we get to update the sort of whole project, but what's super cool about what's been happening, and this is uh, Derwin's going to share too, is that whenever you get into something like this, you start peeling back some onions, and and gratefully, it wasn't like the siding was the onions, and we realized there were more problems. That did not happen. But the onion I'm talking about is the layers of the hillside story. So that's been super cool. What we've learned... Uh, what derwin has al- also uh, mostly learned about our history and our history as hillsiders so he gets to share that today too so i'll talk about sort of the building and the money stuff and then he gets to share the really cool stuff too the other really cool stuff yeah so um i think we- this is something that's really important is just to talk about the next slide ha, there we go so uh This is what we do, this is why we get up in the morning as a staff, this is what we uh, come here to serve and to uh, be in community for and it's our mission and it is that we are on a mission to become a community of fully equipped and empowered followers of Jesus, bringing us healing, hope and compassion to the Tri-Cities and beyond. And the way we do that is a lot of stuff happens out of this building. Any given day, there are so many things happening here, and we were, if you're just joining us or or haven't been here sort of as we've launched this in May and June, um, we were in a position where our building wasn't going to allow us to do this for too much longer if we didn't do something. So yes, it looks pretty. The stone colored choices, all of the siding windows, they look gorgeous. But I think what's important to know and to remember is that um, it's only—it's it, it, function first, really. I'm glad it looks pretty. But it was so that we could continue to, to be on mission to what God has called us to. I don't have a clicker, but next, please. Yeah, do it. Click. So this is, if you've been here uh, kind of regularly, you've seen the stages. Kevin has done a fantastic job gathering some of these photos as we've gone. Um, So I probably don't have to tell you that the siding and the insulation is complete. I know a lot of people were like, what's going to happen when you tear that rotting stuff out? Um, And... Gratefully, uh, it was kind of as we expected. And Scott, I just heard, Scott, can you hold up what you've got there under your seat that has been retired from the Hillside facility? (laughs) This is an owl.
0: Yeah, yeah. These are really precious owls in our family, church family, that we are going to retire
1: So, they were because we had more woodpeckers and, uh, as Scott would say, woodpeckers and mushrooms than congregants sometimes. Uh, So, yay, now that gets to go live with them and ward off... What were they? What are you? Crows? All birds? Crows? Yeah, from their apple trees. Um, You've earned that, Scott. So, there's a little bit of finishing yet to do if you look closely, uh, but we are almost there. Now, the next one is our beautiful windows that we're all enjoying today. Um, Actually, 46 of 49 of them are installed. Three are on their way. Uh, So that is almost done, which is really awesome. And then all the interior drywall that kind of comes with doing windows, that's all been done upstairs. Downstairs, we'll do it when the interior gets uh, going. So great window update. Uh, Quick little door update, which also... uh, I didn't realize how much doors matter. I mean, like I know they matter, but how beautiful they can be. So all of our new doors here are tested and keyed and done and ready to go. So that's great too. We can actually see inside. Do you guys have more light in the office? Yeah, it's
0: really bright in there. Yeah. It's very welcoming. Oh, it's awesome. Fantastic.
1: Next update is the, oh, the shed. Look at these strapping young men getting all the dirt out of there so it can be an actual functional space. Um, So that shed has been secured, reinforced structurally, it's ready to go too. So these are some big things that you have probably seen as you've come. And then you can take a look here. There are some things still going, um, and this is what we're doing next. Uh, So spoiler alert, courtyard is demolished. The window well is sealed, so we had a funky little window well in there. Super, not always very safe, but was covered. Um, Everything is... uh, We have a contractor already in place who's going to do all of the concrete work uh, for the youth stair entrance as well. Um, Cladding of the west elevation has begun, and all the wiring. So that was a huge part. We need some lighting work. We need for safety for a whole lot of things. Um, And so we took the opportunity to get some... Our lighting upgraded um, to uh, kind of be able to be prepared for that and uh, we have a great ops team I'm sitting here looking at all of them and I feel like you guys have done so much work there's Scott and Derek and Ron and I know Troy I'm not sure if he's here but um, mm-hmm. these guys have been so fantastic on all of this and they've stewarded us and the project and the bark team with Nikki Thanks. too, really and yeah. r- really really well so mm-hmm. we keep we keep hearing rave reviews from you guys actually um, and so we start inside. We have some work to do inside, but we are progressing. Um, the The contractor work has been done. Uh, or contractor has been awarded for the inside work. We've uh, awarded the millwork uh, contract as well, drywall contract, and we've been updating the kitchen plan. So this was, uh, how are we gonna do this? How are we gonna reset the the entrance, the preschool, the youth to make it separate, upgrade the 1970s kitchen that is very well used. Um, so all of that work is coming so that we can continue sort of the outreach and the, and the work that we have been doing regularly at Hillside. Uh, um, so, I think now, if we can go to the next slide. So, this is the part. We started this project. Yeah, oh, oh, we're getting drum rolls. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, I'll talk real fast. We started this project like four months ago. <laughs> and for a group like Hillside, for a church the size of Hillside, to have gotten financially to where we are today, we sort of just said at the last elder meeting, like, we need to celebrate this, and if it's Coke floats, or if it's cake, or if what if it's, if it's whatever, um, the fact that everything has arrived as quickly as it's supposed to arrive, and that people showed up to do the work. Anyone who's worked in like with trades or constructions know that this is like an amen. They show up, they yeah. do the work, they work well, they work quickly, but not too quickly. Um, everything other than <laughs> those three three windows are here, like, and then the finances have been coming in. God, it can only be him. He is so faithful. We sang about his faithfulness. He is in this project, the the learning and the history of Hillside and the stories of Hillside and what our DNA is. All of this is a God story. So, um, including this. I feel like we should have had a a thing. So, we have, in four months, folks... (laughs) Raised 55% on our, and this is a three-month project. Our three-year project. We are stretching this out. There are options to give over a three-month, but 549,291 dollars. We get a, yeah. yay! Congratulations! Yeah. So we have some very generous hillside. We know this giving has been sacrificial for many people, and, and for that we are grateful. 54 different people or families have given, and seven of those gifts were over $10,000, which we know comes with a lot of prayer. Um, we're also fortunate that EMCC uh, has kicked in uh, $50,000 toward the project, so that was wonderful, uh, to have them contribute as well. So we are in community. Our community is following Jesus and he's showing up and we're almost there. So, well, we're 55% there, which in four months is, I'm sure, some sort of record. Um, There is still, I know some people, I've even talked to some people who said, oh yeah, we're putting money aside or we're planning this or we're planning that. If you could just let us know, there are those... um, uh, postcards at the back, the BWAM postcards. If you could, if if that's your plan, I love that. Uh, but if you can let us know about that, that is helpful. And if you're still sort of contemplating, praying about this, and seeing where it is you might fall, um, we do have options. There's obviously one-time gifts, or to actually extend it out over the next two two more years. In addition to this year, we are taking pledges as well, and those are equally as wonderful. So, that is my um, update here, but Derwin has a really cool yeah,
0: story, too. I, highlight of my summer, and I kid you not, uh, was meeting a fellow. Bill and I actually arranged an appointment. We discovered one of the founding elders of Austin Avenue Chapel, which became this church. Uh, Austin Avenue Chapel, his name is Charlie Payan. Do we have a picture of Charlie? There we are. Uh, he's, I think he's 94 years old and there were five uh, founding elder families who were part of a, a church in New Westminster who knew that there was this French community called Millardville that uh, needed Jesus. And so they began coming over, and uh, many of them bought homes and moved into this neighborhood and lived here in this neighborhood. Uh, and Charlie was one of those founding families. And he, and he described for us, and I, I tell you, it was like, I wish you all could have been there for this. And if He's still alive uh, in years to come. We're going to have him here and share personally but because um, I think he's the only living founding elder that's, that's still with us. Um, Charlie uh, shared about how they would go door to door with uh, French materials and English marriage. Charlie's actually French, and so uh, he was really well-suited for this, and they would share on doorsteps about Jesus and then invite children to come to uh, one of their members had a house uh, with a big basement, and they did children's work in these houses. That's how this church started, was really through children's outreach in the basement of a home. and uh, As the months went on, that seemed like it dried up, uh, that opportunity to meet in this home, and so they actually rented a storefront uh, on Austin Avenue, where the subway is just down the street. It was helpful to know where it was exactly. I always thought it was on the other side of the street. It's right over there in that corner, and I think we have a picture of it. Uh, they, they began having services uh, in 1958 on Sunday, July 13th. That was the start of their Sunday services. And you get... It was just a, a little storefront. It was a, um, 16 feet by 30 feet. And Charlie tells me the story of how... Again, they would love on kids and invite them to come to these meetings. They had a, a children's speaker come once, and get this, they had 130 children in that 16 by 30 foot room. Uh, that, codes. He, that no codes, and there was no fire, fire marshal present, I don't think. Um, but Charlie shared how just there's, there was this heart for the neighborhood, and Um, it was quite clear the way that God was growing them that they couldn't stay there for for that long. And and so this property, these properties, this property here and adjacent one, two residential lots were for sale. And uh, it was $6,000. I think it was even less than that. It was like (laughs) $5,600. And these core families, they had no money. And... uh, they, they tell the story about, he told the story about how um, they had to give everything they could got to come to up with the down payment for that $5,600. They needed $600, bucks apparently. And they were able to come up with those, that $600. They put a down payment on the two pieces of land. And uh, a remarkable story of how they just, in faith, stepped out with, with, with the little they had. They didn't have a lot. And uh, actually, they, they had some... Uh, uh, opportunity to maybe build with the help of a a, a group that helped charities, uh, helped churches build churches. But for them to do that, they had to have paid off all of the land. They couldn't owe any money on the land. And so they had another $5,000 to raise. And actually, John Clark told me this. uh, uh, One of our current members uh, shared how he'd heard the story how actually somebody from the community came one day to one of the founding elders and laid down, get this, laid down four $1,000 bills to contribute towards, not even somebody that was part of the church, this was somebody from the community who heard what was going on and came and gave $4,000 in $1,000 bills, which I didn't even know what a thing, if anybody wants to start that up again, let's go for it. Um, but, uh, and then they, they talked about it. So they, they suddenly had the capacity to build, and they began clearing this piece of land. It was all forced. Next slide. Again, a picture of that early congregation. Keep going. So this was like, look at the, the land. It was like Monday Park, right? Uh, next slide. They're working away, even a guy in a suit, just happy to do his part. Keep going. And that's what they built. They cleared the land, and can you see the original church? This, that's, that's that building on that side over there. That's what it looked like back in 1962. That's when they um, finished their church. One more, one more slide, I think. I, I like, uh, by the way, I don't know if you can see this, what it says. It was in the newspaper. I don't know if churches get this kind of write-up anymore, but beautifully landscaped Austin Avenue Chapel in Coquitlam is a pleasant sight for both worshipers and motorists on the busy thoroughfare, spring foliage combined with evergreen background give the chapel an incomparable natural setting. (laughs) And uh, that's not, so that's the original auditorium up on the top half and and, uh, the church uh, obviously grew and uh, 20 years later, um, they had a vision to expand again because they were bursting at the seams and they built this sanctuary. I heard those stories of their stepping out in faith and not knowing kind of how God was going to provide and lead. And I feel like we've done the same. Like, I feel like we're kind of in their lineage of sort of seeking to, to be faithful with what God has given us, a call to our community and our neighborhood, to share Christ, to love on the next generation. And, uh, and I, I, uh, I get excited about this heritage that we have and the legacy that we get to continue because I'm thinking... I think they were thinking forward. And uh, friends, some of us might not be around when some of the fruit of this, what we're doing now, the seeds we're planting now will be um, bearing fruit in decades to come. But I think it's worth celebrating. I think it's worth investing in and giving towards. And uh, I get really excited about this. So uh, anything else we need to add, Sonia? I think we're going to pray. Yeah, I gonna... I, I'm wondering, is there somebody who could... Um, just pray a prayer of thanksgiving for all that God has done. By the way, did you hear when, it, when they opened the doors of this property? 1962. So 60 years on this property, there's been a church, a local church, that has sought to be a light to the neighborhood. 60 years. May we pray that God will do this for another 60 years. Amen? Amen. So somebody just, uh, would you... Lead out in prayer, a prayer of thanksgiving for all that God has done, and maybe uh, also a prayer as He leads us forward. Would you, somebody, just shout it out though, so that we can all hear? Father, thank you
2: that I was here when we I thank you that I was here and part of this. Doing the accounting and all the work that had to be done, Father. So it's just such a pleasure to see what has happened over the years, Lord. Many have come to know you. The youth that have grown in here and gone out into other places, Lord, we praise you for that too. And as we look forward, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing with the finances for this new uh, building with a mission that we have. We thank you for all the volunteers that are involved. There's so much work, Lord. And it's been such a pleasure for me working in the office for 22 years, Lord, because when you work in the background, you really see the whole picture and how hard the people behind the scenes work. But, for, Lord, it takes the volunteers too. So we just look forward to wonderful things happening in this building, Lord. We want many people to come through those doors and to find Jesus and have their lives changed, Lord. We thank you also for all the work that's done out in the community, Lord, with the schools and with the, with the hampers and all the things that we're able to do. But we couldn't do it without you, so we praise you, Lord. We just ask you to guide and direct us and give us wisdom as we go forward. And we just want this to be such a blessing in our community. And we thank you for, so, for doing so much for so far in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Can we give God a hand this morning for all he's doing?
1: And, and there is just one more thing. Last slide. Um, So we're going to do a show-and-tell, and and there are uh, a few of our ops committee are are already committed to this, and Greg, our contractor uh, who's sort of leading the whole project, will be here too um, on September 25th. So they'll be outside, around, they'll be pointing things out, telling you what's happening, telling you what work is yet to be completed out there and what things are going to look like. So join us that day uh, to kind of get a little more of a sneak peek. Thank you. Brilliant.
0: Thanks. Uh Thanks. Thanks, Sonia, for all your great work. Really good. Well, we're going to transition here, and I know you're already sleepy, so just give your head a shake and um, let's, let's dive in here. I uh, just wanted to tell you, uh, before we jump into the message, next Sunday, um, we have a guest speaker with us, Dr., uh, Reverend Dr. Ray Aldred is going to be joining us. Uh, Dr. Aldred is a Christian professor, author, um, pastor, and highly regarded indigenous leader in Canada, and he's going to be speaking on the theme of reconciliation, especially as it relates to our reconciliation with First Peoples. Um, we know this. God cares so much about reconciliation. It's on his heart, and he loves it when broken relationships are restored and when there's healing and forgiveness. And uh, so we've been on for some time here at Hillside on this racial reconciliation pathway. God helped us be involved in the Rising Eagle concert uh, five years ago where we were very much involved in an apology and uh, also seeking to to build bridges with our indigenous brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think having Dr. Aldred here next Sunday is going to be kind of one more good step in that journey. So I think it's going to be really good. So don't miss next Sunday. Uh, It's just a really special opportunity to have him here with us. Sound good? Great. Let's just pause and pray again. Jesus, in these remaining minutes, uh, would you multiply the time and grant us ears with which to hear, how you want to speak to our lives and our hearts today. Uh, We just uh, are wide open, God, to what you want to do and how you want to share with us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So question for you. Um, anyone fly this year? Did a- anybody board a plane and go somewhere? We, Angel and I went to Toronto this summer, and uh, it was kind of a crazy deal, right? Like all the pictures, you saw it on the news. Piles of luggage and baggage uh, you know, lost, and flight delays, and all these kind of things going on. And um, obviously, I-, I don't think people in the airline and airport business kind of understood that there was this pent-up demand to travel. Like, some of you were just waiting to get on a plane. You didn't care if you were flying to Victoria. It was like, I want to fly somewhere, right? Anybody? And so, we had these two years of restrictions and suddenly the message went from stay to go. And we went. Now, I don't think this is just a phenomenon in our travel lives. But in all of our lives, suddenly it's like, um, I think for many of us, it's like the busy switch got turned on again. We've gone from slow to fast. And truth be told, some of you, with this increased pace of life, you are already feeling exhausted. You're feeling a little bit worn out and weary. And this morning I want you to imagine Jesus saying these words to you from Matthew 11. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Um, I'd say many of us, maybe most of us, really like that invitation from Jesus. Even if many of us, maybe most of us, actually struggle to actually live that invitation of Jesus. My friend Martha, uh, Mark Buchanan, uh, Angel and I were at a retreat where he spoke a few weeks ago, and uh, he inspired this talk, and he even gave me his notes. He's a really good friend. But Mark wondered whether this invitation that Jesus gave at the end of Matthew 11 that Matthew records for us was actually maybe first given to one of Jesus' most faithful first followers, Martha. You remember Martha. Some of you'd remember well the story of these two sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus is at their home teaching. Uh, He's having kind of like a little conference in Martha and Mary and Lazarus's living room. And Mary is there just drinking in Jesus. She's absorbed every single word he says. And Martha's serving the guests, she's making sure hospitality is happening. She's the event coordinator, but she's feeling frustrated and tired and maybe just a little bit frazzled. I, uh, I like Mark's idea that maybe Jesus first gave her, Martha, this invitation to come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. What I do know is that this story comparing Mary and Martha has often been interpreted as as having two characteristics or or displaying two common characteristics of followers of Jesus. Let me call them this, comers and goers. Comers and goers, Mary and Martha. You may even at some point in your journey through some teaching or some sermon been asked to figure out Who you are, are you more like a Mary or are you more like a a Martha? Are you more likely to come or are you more likely to go? It may be actually a good question to ask yourself in terms of your relationship with God right now. Am I in a season where I'm more coming or am I more going? Are Are you more one than the other? Now here's the thing. All of God's people are meant to live with this continual rhythm of coming and going. I mean, there's another time where Jesus ask, is asked by a guy, what is the greatest commandment? We, we all know and probably have heard that story. We find a version of this encounter in Luke chapter 10. Jesus answered with, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God. What is that? That's more come. And then love your neighbor. That's more Go. And Mark Buchanan makes a compelling case that really most, if not all, of Jesus' commandments can be distilled down to these two things, come and go. These are kind of foundational commands of Jesus. Come, in other words, come to me. Come be with me, Jesus invites us. Come find your life in me. Receive from me. I, I want to give you my love. I want to I pour into you all that you need for life and for living and for, for flourishing. I want to do that. come. Receive from me. Abide in me. And then go. Go do what I do. (laughs) Go love others extravagantly. Go serve your neighbors. Go be a difference maker in the world. Because he says, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. Come and go. This is really the deep pulse of discipleship. And really, this is this rhythm of come and go is at the heart of human flourishing. Let me talk about go for a moment. I love the fact that Jesus calls us to go. Go is this um, deep invitation of Jesus to participate in his mission in the world. And the fact that he gives us and sends us gives our lives a a great sense of purpose and meaning, does it not? Like like that he says to us, go. (laughs) We, We get to share in God's redemptive, Work in the world, you know? Think about this, uh, the first disciples. We read about this in Luke 10, where Jesus sends 72 of his disciples out to go do what Jesus had been doing, to announce the coming of his kingdom, to heal the sick, to set captives free, to be his witnesses in the world. Um, I wonder this morning, for a second, can you remember in your life When God gave you some kind of go assignment, think about that for a moment. Can you think about when God called you to something? It happened for me when I gave my life to Christ at a summer camp when I was 17 years old. Honestly, I went to this camp to meet girls, and I met God. (laughs) Turns out God is better than girls, for the most part. Um, I remember afterwards, uh, a youth leader at the camp asked me, he said, can you tell me what happened to you, Derwin? Because it was just obvious that something had happened to me. I mean, there, there was a, this was the before and after of my life, like there's no, been no moment like it ever before or since, where I was just a different person. He says, Derwin, what happened to you? He says, I really don't know, but I know Jesus has become real to me, and I want to serve him with my, all my heart. And I remember saying something very close to this. I want to go where he wants me to go, and I want to do what he wants me to do. Those were, that was the day after I gave my life to Christ. I was able to say that to this friend. The call for you might be this sense of, of calling or vocation to a particular work in your life. It may, may be what led you to study what you have studied, or you know, what has led you to do what you now do. Maybe there was a time like uh, Bill alluded to last Sunday where we invited you to consider volunteering in some role in the church and at some point in your life with Christ, you actually raised your hand and said, yes, I'll do that. Yes, I can go there. Yes, I can serve in that way. And I I love seeing people who get awakened to their calling to go. God says go, and they've gone. And in some small ways, and sometimes in really big ways, because of their going, the world has gotten changed. Isn't that cool? Here's the thing, though our going for God is never meant to be separated from our coming to God. You see, you can't keep going if you stop coming. <laughs> You can't do one without the other. They are inextricably tied to one another. On their own, they're dead ends. They really are. Back back to the Martha story for a minute. It's interesting where it fits in Luke chapter 10, which is our passage this morning. Luke 10 is a, a helpful chapter, I think, in thinking about this rhythm. And you really can break it down into three sections. I love how our Bibles often have little titles that weren't there in the original, but they help us kind of break it down. The first one, Luke 10, verse 1, what kind of story do we find there? It's the story of Jesus sending 72 disciples out to do what he'd been doing. Now, let me ask you, is that a come or a go story? That's a go story, clearly, right? The next story, Luke 10, verse begins at verse 24, is the story of the good Samaritan, one of my favorite parables. The Samaritan who out of great compassion, sees a dying guy who'd been beat up and robbed on the side of the road, and he goes on a first aid mission, not only to treat his wounds, but to pay for this guy's recovery. And and what does Jesus say at the end of that passage, the end of that story? He offers one line of conclusion. Do you remember what he says? Go Go and do Likewise. So this is a really, on the multiple choice test, this would be pretty easy. Is that a go or a come story? (laughs) Go and do likewise, right? It's a go story, right? But then you have the Mary and Martha story immediately following these two go stories. And Jesus is at their home. We read in verse 39. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. She, Martha, had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. So this third story in Luke 10, which, which is it? A come or a go story? It's a come story. So in Luke 10, it's go, 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 come. And the message kind of repeats itself. You can't keep going if you don't come. Now, some of you, I suspect, are action people. Yeah, God just wired you that way. You hate sitting still. Any Anyone out there who just, like, you like doing? I mean, um, these are the kind of people who love making lists, and I don't think they love the list as much as they do checking off the list. It's like the satisfaction they get from checking off those. I see you. Yeah, I know who you are. I, I actually am a list maker myself. I think I'm more wired as a doer than I am a comer, I think, in, in general. But uh, some of you are more like that. You... You love when God actually kind of gives you assignment. You're like, go, I'm, I'm, I'm there already, you know? I'm in. Game time. And Martha, I suspect she was wired a little bit like that. She was a little wired for go, wired for action. And there's actually validation for this in the character of Jesus. It's clear by those two first stories in June in, in Luke. That Jesus is a sender. (laughs) Like he he tells us to go. He he tells us to go on mission to our world. He, He tells us to respond with compassion to the vulnerable people we encounter in our community. He calls us to care for creation. He invites us to be his ambassadors, to share the good news. He invites us into his ministry of reconciliation. Friends, sometimes the the, the kingdom of God is all about going and doing. But still, there's a helpful caution in this story. We get a clue to how things aren't quite right in what Jesus says to Martha. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. That's a clue. This is a vocational liability of a Martha, of a person who's wired to be a doer. They might actually start out loving what they do because they're made for it it's a it's a calling but they can get weary and they can get frazzled it's easy for me to say yes to every opportunity and to go 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 and it was like i was thinking about it it was like i was on an unstoppable train anyone see the movie denzel washington chris pine it's called unstoppable And it's this train that is out of control and they can't slow it down and it's going full tilt. And and it's really dramatic because there's all these calamities ahead on the the train tracks that if they can't slow or stop the train, there's going to be this great crash. I have felt at times in my life that I've been on that train. Anybody? You've been on that train before? The unstoppable train, right? And you know it's coming. You know it. You're going to hit something someday. And uh, during that time where I was just going. And, and um, my cousin visited from Vancouver Island, and she and her husband um, are wonderful believers. They love Jesus. And they were with us for two or three days. And after about a day of being with me, she said to me, Derwin, you're buzzing. That's, that's all she said, really, is you're buzzing. You need to stop buzzing. As in other words, you're like going in all these directions at once, it's like she, like I really have an image of me just kind of jittering, actually, or something. But I was, I was buzzing. And you know what? She talked about just how if you don't slow down, life's going to take you out. <laughs> she was really firm. And uh, you know what? I can be defensive sometimes. But in that moment, I wasn't defensive because I knew she was right. I was going so fast and too hard. And I was no longer loving what I was doing. And here's the thing. If you keep going, 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 you'll come to the end of yourself. What you once loved doing, you'll love no longer. I think that's what happened to Martha. Martha, Martha, Jesus says. It's fascinating to me. Only seven times in Scripture does God or Jesus use the double name of somebody. Does it with Moses, 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 Abraham and Samuel and, and uh, Saul and Peter and, and Martha. In Peter's case, it, it's over a coal fire <laughs> where he says Peter, Peter. But on each of these occasions, it's it's broken down again either to a call story or a sending story. It's either a, a come back to who you're meant to be or a sending out on mission. And in Martha's case, it's a reminding her of her identity as a beloved daughter of God, that she doesn't need to prove her worth. I wonder, I wonder this morning, what would Jesus say to you this morning if he doubled up your name? Betty, Betty. Sharon, Sharon. Sharon. An and al al f a f a what would follow that what would Jesus say to you right now? would he say you're buzzing you need to slow down you're worried and distracted over many things come to me <laughs> let me let me show you how to live let me let me teach you how to go. You know, years ago, um, John Carpenter was a uh, minister in the States, a secretary of health uh, of the United States, and he talked about how, in his observation, people were living too fast. And this was his conclusion. He said this. He says, we can keep ourselves so busy, fill our lives with so many diversions, stuff our heads with so much knowledge, involve ourselves with so many people, and cover so much ground that we never have time to probe the fearful and wonderful world within. He says, by middle life, most of us are accomplished fugitives from ourselves. Wow. That struck me because I, I go, I know that storyline. <laughs> I mean, I've lived that storyline. I've seen that storyline in some of you. friends we will only be joyful in our callings. We will only be joyful in our going and in our servanthood to God only as we have our lives deeply rooted in God, knowing where you've come from and knowing where you're going. We need our... Excuse me. We need our sense of identity renewed in us, I would say, daily. Daily. Or weekly because I don't think there is any deeper or more sustaining force in all our doing and all our going than what we receive from Jesus when we come to him. So what is the antidote to our relentless going? Well, it's to never stop coming. Whatever assignment God has given us, even if it seems like a big one, a daunting task. Maybe he's given you one of those assignments. <laughs> he wants us to adopt a lifestyle or rhythm of life of regularly returning and coming to him to find life. It's interesting if you were to turn to John 14. And John 13 and 14 are really such important chapters. Jesus, before he goes to the cross, he's giving his disciples a talk. He's spending an evening with them. And it's a wonderful evening of Jesus pouring into them. Do you remember what happens at that dinner? I mean, the Last Supper. (laughs) He offers the bread and the wine. He, He washes their feet. He gives such words of encouragement and wisdom. And then in the last verse of John 14, verse 31, he says to his disciples, arise, let's go. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this before, but they don't go. Like the very next, like turn over to chapter 15 and, and verse 1, and what is it talking about? Abide in me. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. He, he goes on for another two chapters. It's like the, the rise and go thing was like almost like a blip, where he goes on to wanting them to have their lives defined by a life that's intimately connected with Jesus. Divine, so in, in, receiving life and nourishment from, from God. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. In other words, come and keep on coming, even in your going. Or how about uh, Psalm 23, which uh, it's got words we use all the time when it comes to our work and our living, action words like lead, make, guide, restore. But what it describes in this psalm is not our work, but the shepherd's work. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Begins with, He makes me lie down. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He doesn't just want us to be busy about His work, He wants us to receive from Him and be a reflection of Him. Funny, as my uh, friend observes, the way to tell you're an adult and not a child is when you're a child and someone tells you that it's time to take a nap, you don't want to take a nap, right? When you're an adult, you're just wanting someone to give you permission to take a nap, but no one ever does, right? (laughs) God says, take a nap. God says, lie down. Psalm 46.10 is not, be busy and know that I am God. (laughs) It's be still and know that I am God. And then, this, then in Psalm 23, after you've been pastored, after God has shepherded you, he then leads you on this dangerous journey through dark valleys. But to have strength for the dangerous journey through the valley of the shadow of death, we must first have the rest of God that comes from coming to him and receiving from him. And then his mercy and goodness chases us wherever we go. What does this look like for most of us? It looks like Sabbath. Sabbath. It looks like having regular, regular rhythms of rest daily and weekly. Regular moments each day where we receive from God and we get reorientated. I have a daily quiet time and, and actually the most important thing in my daily quiet time is not getting through my Bible reading. It's having Jesus speak his love over me and remind me that I'm his son and I'm, a, I'm beloved and there's nothing I can do that would make him love me less and there's nothing I can do that would make him love me more. We, we have those rhythms in our lives. Sabbath, practicing weekly Sabbath, where, where we gather in order to sing songs and to pray prayers and to consider scripture so that we're, again, remembering who we are and focusing on our identity. We're coming to him to be renewed and restored. Here's the thing, when we don't come, yeah, when we don't stop from our work, uh, and, and find rest in God, we simultaneously obsess about our work. You know, the, you might get to the place where you hate your work, but you can't shut up about it, right? When that happens, something's gone screwy. Part of proper Sabbath rest is you love your work, but you can forget about it just like that. You can actually turn it off, you can let it go, but at the same time, you love it. So, Sabbath keeping, we're gonna talk more about this in October when we dive back into the Gospel of Matthew. But Sabbath keeping is such a a core practice in following Jesus. By the way, these are just the rhythms we're trying to to do as and practice as a church. We we don't want to offer so many programs, like we don't have a men's ministry right now, we don't have a women's ministry because we just kind of feel like you'd be going to meetings all the time. We we have life groups, we have Sunday mornings, we have classes. You know, we're we're thinking serve in one area of the church. We don't want you to be so busy working for God that you're not able to carve out time to receive from God. Friends, we can come and go with confidence because underneath both the come and the go is God's generous and lavish character. When we come to him, we find we are not loved for what we've done, but for who we are. We are his children in whom we are well pleased. Looking at the time, it's time to end. So why don't we just pray, and I'm going to send you off to your floats. Does that sound like a plan? Prayer and floats? I think so. God, I don't know where each person is at this morning, but um, I know, God, we struggle to get this rhythm right. And many of us, uh, we get into the, the, the part, we get the, the doing and the going part really, really well. And we don't know how to slow and receive from you. Help us as we choose a lifestyle, That we'd, as we choose a pace. You might restrain us, you might lead us. If need be God, I pray you would make us lie down. Help us to know how to stop and to receive from you help us to be more acquainted with coming to you hearing from you and receiving all that you would want to give lord in this new season september it it, this is a real temptation for us it's like everything seems to ramp up in september and i pray you would give us wisdom to choose things that matter most um We ask that Lord that it it would just you'd you'd order our lives. We pray. Let me just uh, again remind you of these words of Jesus that I believe He wants to say to you this morning. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. I want to, again, encourage you to two things. Uh, Over there, uh, we've got, I don't see ice cream or people ready to serve it, so they're going to be there momentarily. I see pop, but that's it. and so that's going to be station one. Station two is if you want to talk to Pastor Bill or, or Lynn about serving or getting involved in a life group, um, that's still part of our rhythm is, is the, the doing and the going. And, and life groups are a way for us to come. And so if you want to talk to them and get signed up, that would be great. Good day to do it. They start the week after next. So this is a great time to, to be participating in that. And uh, may the Lord bless you as you go. And if you'd like prayer this morning, come and receive prayer. We'd love to pray with you. God's God loves you cares for you bless you enjoy